Welcome in, Tiger fans. Another week of play-by-play presented by our friends at The Advocate, along with the illustrious Kent Lowe and our producer, Harrison Valentine. I'm Chris Blair, and each week we try to get you up to date with what's happening and, and what's coming up over the next couple of days. And, uh, Kent, I guess we'll start with uh, quite a weekend for, um, well, again, championship weekend in college football. And then, of course, you have the uh, college football playoff revealed. And to say it went smoothly would be an understatement, depending on uh, which team you root for. A little bit of controversy coming out of that. Um, but, of course, uh, the bigger story for LSU is once all of that dust settles, then the rest of the bowls are placed, and LSU uh, is headed to Tampa for the ReliaQuest Bowl, Raymond James Stadium. Uh, they're taking on Wisconsin. Um, you know, it's uh, it's not Orlando. And uh, i got to be honest, selfishly, I'm glad it's not Orlando. It, it's a tough place for us to work out of. So looking forward to, um, while still in Florida, which is not bad this time of year, at least we're moving to Tampa. But it's uh, the Tigers and the Badgers coming up on New Year's Day uh, with an 11 a.m. Central kickoff. And a chance for this LSU team to get their 10th win of the season. And that's, of course, a big deal. Second year in a row you could have 10 wins, which hasn't happened all that much in, in LSU history. So an important game for LSU. And you talk about the bowls may not mean much. But still, if LSU could get a 10-win season again, that would be very, very good, and I think the chances are very good. LSU will be favored in the game, and uh, a chance to beat a Big Ten team in the finale, and I think it's a good opportunity for the Tigers. Well, again, you've got a lot of things converging. That's why I think the bowl game is important regardless of where it is and who you play for a couple of reasons, Kent. One, it gives uh, the team a chance to practice um, and improve not only for the bowl game, but we certainly understand for kind of a jump on, on spring ball for those who are returning. You've got the uh, transfer portal window opening up. Uh, I imagine, um, you know, exams week this week, so uh, they're focusing on studying. But after that, when they come back maybe uh, Monday of next week, they'll, they'll kind of start setting their sights on the bowl game and getting ready for Wisconsin. And we may find out if there's anybody opting out, not going to play in the bowl, going to move on to the NFL draft and the combines. Uh, for those who are going to go find their happy place somewhere else, uh, they'll enter the transfer portal. A couple already have at least claimed that they're going to do so. So, I mean, again, I think it's an opportunity. Once you get all that and you know who your team is and who for the foreseeable future is staying, you get a chance to get some solid workouts that benefit the team short-term for the bowl, long-term for 2024. And we'll – Get to see what happens as this week goes on with individual honors. Of course, uh, Jaden has already won the Unitas Award, which I believe is presented on Thursday. Friday is the College Football Awards show that ESPN does with a lot of those awards being announced. And then, of course, on Saturday night is the Heisman Trophy Ceremony, and all eyes from LSU will be focused on that event. So, again, it'll be LSU and Wisconsin. We wish the best of luck to all of the Tigers who are up for awards, and there's a slew of them. Jaden, we mentioned, Brian and Malik also uh, right. for the Belitnikoff, and, and, of course, uh, the uh, Joe Moore Award for the offensive line. 
And don't forget Mike Denbrock. That's uh, right. For the Broyles Award. Yes. So, uh, again, best of luck to everybody. And, and all are deserving uh, when you look at what this offense has done in 2023. And we'll get one more chance to see them coming up on New Year's Day. Uh, basketball in full swing. Uh, men's basketball last week suffered a tough loss up in the uh, wintry northeast, upstate New York. Uh, and, Kent, I'm told people purposely live there. It was amazing. I asked a few people while I was there, and they said, no, we choose to live here. And uh, it's quite amazing. But uh, we did get to see some snow. But uh, as I said the other day, temperatures dropped, the snow fell, and Syracuse pulled away in the second half for that win. But the Tigers did bounce back and, and got a win at home uh, this past Friday. friend of mine had a convention this week in San Diego, or last week in mm. San Diego, about the same time I was in Syracuse, and I – sent her a picture of the wonderful uh, lake effect snowstorm we were experiencing in Syracuse. And I got a picture back of the marina uh -huh. and the mountains and downtown San Diego from her hotel room. And I really couldn't tell the difference, to be honest with you. And if you believe that, uh, Florida State should have been in the playoff then, if you believe that. But uh it's uh, a good – they had a bounce back on Friday night against uh, Southeastern, the Tigers did. Coach McMahon went with a little different starting lineup. Mike Williams uh, at the point guard had his best scoring game of the season. Jordan Wright came off the bench this game and had his best game of the season with 16 points. Will Baker, another good game with eight points. Um, and now – Exam week, and then Saturday at 12.30, Kansas State comes to town for the start of a home-at-home -home series. Of course, we've discussed ad nauseum over the last year what happened in the Cayman Islands between the two teams. But this will be, Chris, the first November-December non-conference game at home against the so-called one of the so-called major conference teams since uh, December 28th of 2015. So it's a big game coming in here this Saturday with Kansas State. They're 6-2. and two. Uh, They play Villanova as we tape this on Tuesday night uh, before they come to Baton Rouge. So a good chance for the Tigers to, to have a big win opportunity on Saturday afternoon, and it's at 12.30 before the Christmas parade, before the Heisman ceremony. So plenty of chance to come to this game and still do either the family stuff or gather to watch the Heisman uh, trophy ceremony. So uh, a golden opportunity to come watch your Tigers play. Yep, again, 12.30 start inside the Maryville Center should be a great matchup, and we do know the clocks will work. Yeah, right. Okay. And uh, if that's not enough, Red Panda will be at halftime. Oh, we got Red the, Panda in the house? With the spinning discs wow. and dishes and Can't all. You buried the lead. Bowls, I, you know. Yeah, that, you should have led with that. So, again, we'll see you at the Maryville Center at 1230. Women's basketball. By the way, coming up, we're going to talk to a longtime voice of women's basketball, uh, Patrick Wright going to join us on this week's show. Um, but uh, Coach Mulkey and the Tigers, 8-1 and on the season, got a real solid win. Great atmosphere the other night inside the Maravich Center when uh, got that rematch of the Final Four LSU hosting Virginia Tech, and the Tigers pull away late in that one. Yeah. Uh, amazingly, they come in this week, I think, for the fourth straight week? Yep. 
number seven in the AP poll. But uh, you know what? I was looking at that today, and I was thinking to myself, it was a solid win, decisive win in the second half in the third and fourth quarter for LSU basketball. They didn't move up in the poll. But I don't know that the polls and the pollsters aren't doing this team a favor because we saw last year what happens when maybe this team doesn't feel like they're getting the respect yeah, they no deserve. Kidding. So so maybe this is the right place to be at this time of the season. But again, an 8-1 and one start. And uh, also, as Kent said, going through exams this week. They'll be yeah. back in action coming up on Sunday, Sunday yes. against UL Lafayette. So you know that's always going to be uh, a chance for the Raging Cajuns come over. They'll be fired up to take on the reigning national champ. That'll be a 2 o'clock tip inside uh, the Maravich Center. And then on Tuesday, they'll be back at home. They'll take on McNeese, that one at 7 o'clock. So a couple of opportunities here um, during the uh, holiday season, if you will, to, to catch some LSU basketball. May, may I tease something here? That's what we because, do on this show. Because I can't give you the whole details because of when we're taping and when this will air. Mm-hmm. Just keep an eye on the women's golf social media tomorrow. Something pretty special regarding uh, what's happening with our program and all. So, Harrison, you think if I kept him talking longer, he'd tell us? No, because I'm going to stop because I'll get in if trouble. If I just keep so asking some just, questions? No, no, okay. no just, check our tw- right. just check our social media tomorrow afternoon. I think you'll like what you see. Did it involve a team or a player or what? I can't say. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought I'd try. Uh, so, anyway, there's uh, big news coming tomorrow for uh, women's <laughs> golf. We've given you the LSU basketball schedule for men and women and, of course, the LSU football schedule. But just a reminder before we go to our break, uh, Gym 101 coming up uh, for LSU Gymnastics December 16th uh, on a Saturday, 4 o'clock, open to fans. Going to be a great preview of, as we heard from Jay Clark a couple of weeks ago, going to be a fantastic season. Uh, Again, the expectations for LSU are high, but they're taking on a real – tough schedule and if uh, you enjoy great battles uh, on the gymnastics uh, front you're going to see it this year and you'll get a little taste of, of, of what the team will look like. And first time they've been able to have Gym 101 on a Saturday so I think that should really help the attendance for that event. Alright so don't forget mark that down December 16th at 4 o'clock. Uh, anything else? I think any, that's any, it. Any big news for women's golf you uh, want to share with us? No I don't no? believe okay. let's uh, talk to Patrick. Alright let's take a break we come back. The voice of LSU women's basketball 30 plus years. I'm losing count. He'll tell us when we come back. Patrick Wright's going to be our guest right after this on Play by Play. Welcome back, everybody, on this week's play-by-play. As we told you, we're going to talk a little LSU women's basketball, number seven in the land, coming off a huge win at home over Virginia Tech uh, as they pulled away late, as we told you. And uh, 34 years behind the mic. Uh, Doesn't look a day over what, 39, 40? Uh, but Patrick Wright, uh, again, national champion now, Patrick Wright, uh, joining us. Patrick, good to see you, man. I know you're in the throes of, of this basketball season, um, and it seems like whenever LSU women's basketball is involved, it's going to bring a lot of eyeballs, a lot of attention, and, and that kind of goes with the territory when you're the reigning national champions. And it, it has, it's been different, you know, even – I mean, even with Coach Mulkey coming her first two years before the championship or the first year and a half, it there was a lot of attention. But it has been noticeably magnified since that, that championship was won. You see more media uh, at the games. You see more uh, – uh, everything is under a microscope, it seems like, of course. But, but that's, that's where you want to be. You want to be 
where you're talked about and you want to be covered and and discussed and um, but it, it has been a little different. I, I've noticed an uptick. For you sure. know, it's interesting because that's why a school like LSU wants a Kim Mulkey to lead their program. And as you say, that's why a coach like Kim Mulkey, who had done so much, reached the highest levels at Baylor, decided to come back along with being the home state. Uh, but you're exactly right. That's why both were a perfect fit at the perfect time. You know, we've all worked with new coaches, uh, all three of us here, uh, in, in different sports from time to time. And and usually early on, you kind of think, man, this is a young coach, and I really think they've got everything it takes. And if things bounce right, it, it I, I think we can do some major stuff here. Then you get coaches where you just don't know. You know, maybe it's the first time as a head coach, and there's a lot of things to figure out. Then there are those times when they bring in somebody that for you, Patrick, how long did it take in that first year to go? It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, and when to me will be pretty shortly. It didn't take long. It might have even been before the first game, to be honest. But I think we had we did have one solid win over Iowa State in uh, the uh, SEC Big 12 Challenge, which was early December. It was that first big win over a ranked team, and it was with a team – you know, it was only what, her sixth or seventh game, maybe, and and she had kind of a, a random assortment of kids, and she brought them together, and they played that well. And I didn't think it was going to happen that first year, but to see what she did with the group she inherited and what she turned them into, and and won twenty six games at that point, it was like, okay, this this is going to be good. And then, um, coach used the transfer portal to bring in you know Angel Reese and and others and at that point you're like yeah this is this is on the fast track and I I think it's really cool that you know because these old school coaches they're used to to develop in a program the old way you know Dawn Staley it took her five or six years before she got her first championship at South Carolina but that's back before the portal where she had to you know she inherited a moribund program and had to build it you know had to bring in four or five year kids and it took a little while you know but but here it's it's you know you go get two big ones out of the transfer portal and you're you got a shot you know and it's it's kind of why I think that a lot of credit goes to coach Mulkey I remember early last season non-conference I asked you about the team and I got to see him a little bit on TV and you said well was amazing because of all the transfers that came in and those that were returning that she developed in that first year that it felt like a team that had played together for a while and to me that's the ultimate compliment for a team and I think the coach in the fact that Kim's been doing this for a while and certainly has on her resume building a program from the ground up but for her to be able to adapt and adjust to the way the game is now with the portal people leaving and moving that she wasn't just stuck in her ways that, well, this is how you do it. She was able to grasp the new concepts and and build a winner, a championship program in two years. You know, and it, and it's, it is amazing that, yeah, you've, you know, an, an older coach, and there are still some out there on the men's and women's side who I think are trying to do it their way and trying to build a program. And that, honestly, I just, I don't think, especially on a high level, I'm not sure that's a, a good approach these days because if you're not going out and finding the big transfers, they'll go somewhere else. Um, but I, I kind of likened it her as, as, a, as a kid getting a brand-new toy to play with, a big, shiny new toy, and knowing exactly how to use it. And um, so she – that, you know, any rule change or any, she'll figure out a way and, and make it work. And that was a, a perfect example was last year. Kent, uh, I know you and I were talking before Patrick joined us about fourth straight week coming off that big win, uh, impressive win, I thought, against Virginia Tech, and still staying at number seven. 
But we kind of thought maybe at this time for this team it's good because it's almost transitioning back to last year where maybe they get that chip back on their shoulder, which we all know what happened a year ago. Yeah, exactly. And let's talk a little bit about that Thursday game. I mean, you could see even without Angel that there was a lot of flash starting to develop with this offense. Now, you had the unfortunate injury in the Caymans and you kind of had to piece together the uh, second win, but certainly I think that showed the mark of a good team that you were able to, to play that game and win. But after the first quarter against Virginia Tech, I thought you really came out and just fired on all cylinders. I mean, it was as efficient a final three quarters. Of course, you, you turned the ball over seven times the first quarter, and then for the longest time you didn't turn it over and really took advantage of that. But I thought that was some of the most efficient basketball that I'd seen this team play this year. Well, going back to the Virginia game and the Caymans after we'd lost Samaya, uh, you know, we played played seven player, really six, and, and another player seven minutes, um, but and, and got the win, got a three point win over what's a pretty good Virginia team. And coach, after the game, her her big thing was we had a lot of players playing out of position. Yeah. Michaela Williams was playing, you know, on the, on the back end. She was playing almost the four position, if you will, and. Uh, and you, you know, Anissa Morrow is as with all she does, she's actually an undersized big to a point. Um, so she had a lot of people kind of not in the right spot. Then you bring Angel Reese back into the mix when you get home from the Caymans, and then it took a quarter to kind of for everything to sink in on Thursday. And then once it did get clicking, I, I thought the big uptick was in the, the aggressiveness. And even the Virginia uh-huh. Tech players mentioned it after the game that LSU just became a much more aggressive team in the second yeah. quarter. They were getting agree. after it on defense. Uh-huh. You know, uh, Michaela Williams was taken out of the game a couple of times because her defense wasn't good. She came in and played outstanding defense from that yeah. point on. And then it just kind of led to the offense. And it was a, a, a snowball that Virginia Tech could not slow down. Two points from that. I remember listening to you and Shaida, and you talked about that specifically about Michaela coming out of the game, but then kind of understanding what she had to do when she got back in. And I think that's the sign of a responsive player that can do something like that. But also, Morrow to me is just a <laughs> tremendous basketball player in a lot of different ways. Well, you know, she. I, the, obviously, the first thing you you think about a player, you know, when they come and you see their stats, okay, points and rebounds and double doubles, and she had tons of those at DePaul. But the one thing that she did that didn't really get mentioned was she had a ton of steals. She averaged last year; she averaged right at three steals a game. And DePaul plays in a, a good enough conference; they're in there with UConn and Marquette and, and and teams like that. And so it wasn't like she was playing in a weak conference without great competition. And what she is amazing at is that six foot one she is so good at the passing lanes and she'll intercept one on the wing and she'll take it to the bucket and and she oftentimes comes from one of you know, the other players not like where did she come from because that's how quick she is that's how smart she is and the you know she's had a couple of games where she had nine steals and so she's doing it doing everything she, she's a good passer she's become a very good defender um her shot 
was off at first. It's come around. She's got one of the best turnaround jumpers I've ever seen in the women's game. It's If she catches it, the first couple of times you see her, like she may catch on the baseline and do a fadeaway 15-footer. You're like, oh, my God. But she makes most of them. <laughs> and that's just something you don't, don't see yeah. a lot of the women's players do. Michaela Williams, speaking of personnel, uh, I know that this coaching staff was had their eye on her for a long, long time. Uh, she comes in and, you know, you talk about the transfers, which have been phenomenal. Uh, to me, uh, Michaela's the one that when you watch LSU this year, she jumps off the screen at me. And I know she's averaging right around 18 points a game. She scored 42 points against Kent State, which is, is just is just redonkulous, frankly. Um, <laughs> what, what's it like? I mean, what, and when you're around the team and the players and the coaches, I mean, what do they think the ceiling is for Michaela Williams? Oh, there there isn't one. And, and the good that's – you know, there are a lot of good things about Coach Mulkey coming here, but maybe the best one is if she didn't come here, Michaela Williams might be in Waco wearing green and yellow because uh, Coach was on her oh, yeah. from Baylor. And she had, unfortunately, has a pretty good history of taking Louisiana players and bringing them to Waco. You think? So that was yeah. that was the best part, maybe, of, of having her get here is, is Williams. And she, as you say, she jumps off the TV at you. Some kids just look – the part you know like when they get off the bus that you look at that and say that kid is a player right there they've just had that certain body and that certain look about them and then when you see her right at six foot six one she can lead the break she can hit the outside jumper she can hit she was at 50 percent shooting three for a little while her last couple of games have struggled a little bit to get her down to 50 percent if you can imagine that um no there there is no saying coach has even said it she said she's Michaela doesn't know how good she is yet and to me, that's that's frightening for mm-hmm. for uh, people who don't wear purple and gold. Because if she's just scratching the surface, then um, uh, we've we've got a lot of lot of good good things coming. You know, you mentioned, uh, or I said it earlier about the the eyeball test or, or watching it. And of course, I think over this past weekend, <laughs> the eyeball <laughs> test or that that phrase is is now has a bad connotation to certain people. Um, but I think, truth be told, when you're talking about sports and you're talking about players or teams, there is something to be said about watching them play. But I think ultimately you will find the answers by looking at the numbers. And it stood out to me today, Patrick, when uh, it was announced they were number seven again uh, this year. Take the eye test. Take what you watched. Great. But they are leading the SEC in scoring points per game at 94, shooting percentage at 51%, turnover margin at plus seven. They're in the top three in assists, steals, rebounding, free throw percentage, and block shots. I th- That tells you, A, how good this team is playing right now and how good this team can be. And and they're they're going to get better. And we've, you know, I, now having the – situation where angel was with us for a while then wasn't and then is back in a way i think it helped a lot to develop anisa morrow and haley van lith you know that first game with colorado looked very uneven you know it looked like an assortment of great players who just weren't used to playing together and what their roles were um it was starting to get a little bit better and then with angel gone for four games you go down to the caymans and anisa morrow just literally in two of the games put the team on her back and you know what 35 points oh listen, I'm looking at my the numbers are so big I'd forgotten what they were she in the uh 
in the Niagara. And you know, I'm pretty good with numbers normally. Uh, yeah. She had 28 points, 10 rebounds in the Niagara game. It was the Virginia game. 37 points and 16 rebounds. Those were the numbers she was putting up at DePaul. And we're not going to need her to do that every night, especially with Angel back in the fold. But it's good to have that. Uh, on a night, you know, let's say Angel gets in foul trouble or something. Uh, you know, it's good to have that fallback. And then Haley Van Lith has slowly but surely kind of developed into that point guard role. Um, you know, her assist numbers don't necessarily pop off at you, but coaches complimented her after the last couple and said maybe the Virginia Tech game was her best game. Now, she had to run around chasing Georgia Amor the whole night, and eventually, you know, Amor finally got the best of her at the end, but. Um, she's growing into that role, and as she gets better, I think it's going to make the team around her that much better too. And it's it's just barely December, so there's there's still some room to to, to work between now and conference play. The uh, math teacher tutor, <laughs> you know, he's good with numbers. As I got remembered, as I got reminded several times over the years when we did women's basketball and softball together, when he'd uh, correct my math during uh, well, broadcast. He used to all. tell me he would swear. That we had a pitcher in softball oh, who would go, go, who would, this. who would go to, she would go back to the corner of the circle, and as a geometry teacher, I had yeah, to remind him cor- circles don't have corners. And then I didn't hear from him for a couple innings. So, what was the best way to say that? The edge of the circle? Would that, would that have been the uh, same? I mean, the back of the circle, the right? diameter of the isosceles, or the left diameter of the yeah, circle. Whatever. Which, by the way, for those who are listening, Patrick Wright joining us, longtime voice of LSU women's basketball and softball. Um, Kent and Patrick did. Uh, they were broadcast partners on a number of occasions. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I'm sure, and we live a, to tell about just it. a small sampling of uh, probably some great stories. Maybe some for air, maybe some not for air. Uh, I got a great one, not for air. That oh, I'll tell you in see, a little don't bit, tell me that. You'll have to stay tuned for the uh, play-by-play after dark <laughs> to get to get that version. Um, yeah, you know, I wanted to say this, Kent, before we run out of time, because you know, time flies when you're having fun. Uh, I want to invite listeners or those watching today's uh, podcast to tune in uh, for Patrick and Shaida and Emily Ward, who will do a couple of games filling in uh, the former Tiger. Um, Because I think – I want to say this. LSU is extremely blessed to have the services uh, of Patrick Wright. Number one, he's a great broadcaster. Number two, nobody – cares and and moves mountains to make sure he can be there for women's basketball and for softball and uh we certainly and i say we the collective we lsu athletics would be uh would be in a tough spot if it weren't for uh, patrick wright so i'm tickled that you got to celebrate cut down the net get to national championship last year after seeing all those great teams and being involved in some great years at lsu you certainly deserve that and uh just wanted to let everybody know if you haven't tuned in for a game you should (laughs) They and, do an excellent job. And he started when he was about 18 or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I've seen the know, pictures. I mean, geez, it, I, it looks a little bit like him. Well, was, for was, Victor and I, apparently, apparently, as you age, your forehead gets bigger. Is that how <laughs> yeah, that? Well, mine got huge. <laughs> yeah. Your, for, yeah. your forehead's gotten yeah, bigger thank through you the very years. Much. I, I did one year of play by play with him doing color. When we were on the another network, so to speak, mm-hmm. and uh, back then they only did like four games, and it was this softball. No, this is women's, women's basketball. basketball. Okay. They did like four games, and uh, this guy and Victor Howe took the campus radio station just about everywhere with uh, Coach Gunner 
to do games, and it was the first time, you know, anybody got to really hear a lot of women's basketball, and it started kind of that trend, and that kind of brings me to what I want to ask you is, I mean, you've had the privilege uh, to do several national championship events mm-hmm. with the Final Fours that the women's basketball team is in, and, and not considering the this past year because of the championship but i mean maybe you can compare and contrast i mean there were some great players on that five-year run when lsu made the final four just like there were some great players this past year just couldn't get over the hump in those five years but i mean that was some pretty outstanding basketball and i think of that because simone augustus just elected to the National Hall of Fame, Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. You know, it when you look, and I've, this is the way I always kind of break down, we went to five Final Fours in a row. That first one in New Orleans, we weren't going to win the championship. Connecticut was way too good, even if we had beaten Tennessee, um, which which we lost in the most horrific of yeah. ways. Oh, my God. You know, when you you're, you think you're going to get a chance to win the game or go to overtime, and then they triple-teamed Tamika, took the ball, went and laid it in. Um, but we weren't we weren't beaten. You know, the UConn beat Tennessee by 30, if you're nice late. We weren't going to win that one. Um but that's the third one, uh, and and Coach Mulkey, we still kind of joke about it a little bit. That was one, as she said, you know, up in Indianapolis, we had a 13-point lead on them early. She goes into halftime, goes into a zone, which she is blasphemous in, in her world of coaching, <laughs> and we just couldn't figure it out. And that was a game that we had should have won. Coach will readily tell us that, hey, you guys had the best team that year. And then Michigan State was the team that waited in the championship that we would have blown out of the water and which Tennessee – or rather, which Baylor did. So I feel like that was one of the missing ring. And then the last one, the one in Tampa against Tennessee where they get the put-back layup. You know, we've got a one-point lead with seven seconds. Candace Parker dribbles the ball up court, finds a couple of open people, and they get the put-back. And, you know, same deal. Stanford had upset UConn. We would have beaten Stanford, I feel pretty confident. So it it almost felt like there was a curse. And you knew after that fifth one that that was kind of going to be the last yeah. ride because that whole, you know, had a bunch of seniors and it was going to be a little bit of a rebuild. Um, well, a lot of a rebuild, actually, because Sylvia was going to be gone. But there were two that absolutely should have won. And you just felt like it just – the the program was cursed, you know. As good as it was, we just couldn't get the big one because just unfortunate things happened, and well, it's kind of how it went. Well, ironically, Chris, when you look back at that, Sue Gunner got sick the year of the first championship, so Pokey Chapman had to was the coach of the team. Then eventually, when Pokey had her situation, Bob Starkey had to coach one of the Final Fours, and then of course. That led to Van Chancellor coaching the last year of the Final Four run. So I don't know that a team has ever, any team has ever had that kind of run with that many coaching situations over yeah. a five year. Period. Three, yeah, three and five years. And even though they were all already in house, that's some upheaval, you know, because Coach Gunner, when she took sick, it was the day of the. Uh, the football championship. football championship. We yes. played Arizona. She didn't make it to the game that day and ended up being down the rest of the season. But the team kind of persevered and and hung on. Uh, but it 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 was just it got to the point 
by the time we got to that fifth final four, it's like certainly this is our day, right? And then it no, just we couldn't couldn't make the always one play away. You know this this may sound like it's coming from my Hearing Voices podcast, but you know Kent's question immediately made me think. In those moments last year in Dallas, how how far back in that game did you think it's going to happen? If there is a curse, whether or not there is, but if there was, it's over now. When did you think we are going to win this thing? Well, in the Virginia Tech games, it went so up and down. You know, we got up early and then just went completely dry late in the second quarter. We were we'd built about a 10 12 point lead and then it was it was tied or you know a couple points at halftime and i'm like oh this this because everything reminds you think that reminded me of the baylor game we had a big first half lead gave it all back and then virginia tech gets up 11 at late in the third quarter and uh, we had a technical foul and then in my head is like well here here we go again (laughs) um but then you remember how good the kids were. You remember who's on that sideline directing them, and she didn't let them panic. And uh, then it just clicked in that fourth quarter. And then, you know, once we were down down nine, things started rolling. I'm like, I never – until the buzzer sounded in that game. I mean, we were up seven with about ten seconds left. I'm like, oh, okay. It's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. And then the championship game, you're like, well, certainly, you know, all right, we broke the curse. We're here. But the good thing was the kids we had didn't know about any of that. You know, they hadn't been through the five straight Final Fours. They they didn't know about a curse. They just went out and played against Iowa. And even then, and I think the, the one highlight that we play, and I think even they labeled it as the dagger, was when Kateri Poole hit that three with about a minute, ten to go. And that's when all the emotion came out. It's like we went – I mean, we're up – like 12 with a minute to go and you're still like no they got caitlin clark we turn it over a couple of times she hits a couple of 40 footers but when pool hit that three with over a minute to go and like we went up 17 that's when it like okay there's no curse anymore like this is when it's going to happen and that's about the same time they showed coach mulkey on the sideline when it hit her and she started tearing up a little bit so it happened it hit both of us but odd that we were you know you're worried about it 12-point lead with a little over a minute to go because of what's on the other and side. T- until yeah. it hits triple zeros and I hear a horn, man. I, yeah. I'm with you. But that uh, one I felt Especially I find, in the I game of safe. basketball. I felt with that lead at that point, I'm like, all right, I think I think we've got it. And it took a little while, um, you know, because when you've played, um, you know, when you've had a bunch of seasons, you know, I've had 27 softball seasons. Don't mind us. He's, he's very, he's <laughs> very, he's, he's very important. I yeah, mean, no. yes, the telemarketers never know when. Um, so I've been through 27 softball seasons, and at that point, 32 basketball seasons. So that's 60 seasons combined, where your last game is a loss. Like you play, you're in the NCAA tournament, you lo- you lose, and the season's over. So I've spent about a week like, okay, where do we play? We won. Where do we go next? Where's our next game? Like, aren't we got to? I mean, did you get a little bit out of the World Series? You know, it's like, 
or no, point, no, 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 no. Drake, get the hell out of there. After, after, right? after two weeks in that hotel room, <laughs> I was like, I don't, I'm, I'm done. But, but as, like, as Dylan and Angel said, and Joe said, give me the ring, I'm done. So I, I, it was like, all right, so we won this round. Like, what's we got to play again, right? Until we lose, and like, no, no, you, you win the whole thing. Well, I can and, tell you this, uh, and I've told the story before. My, my 11 year old daughter and I. We're at home. We watched the game. I had the game synced up, and um, it, it, when it all happened, certainly was happy for LSU. Was happy for Coach Mulkey and the team, but more than anybody else, I was yeah. ecstatic for you. So, yeah. congratulations no on last year. And uh, you know, as as we say over at uh, Alec Box, now it's just uh, how many we're going to reel off. So, well, we look did, forward to it. We need an intimidator inside the PMAC if we can get one. <laughs> well, you got one. <laughs> she marches the sidelines. That's, That's uh, true. that we puts fear in anybody that comes in there. Well, it it was it was I. I I think for the first time in my life, I had what the kids define as my phone blew up after the game. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah, just people congratulating me. I'm like, I didn't, but I appreciated it because it's, it was kind of nice that so many people acknowledge, hey, you've been around this for a while, and and we're we're happy for you to be to be a part of it. And so, I, anybody who sent those, I appreciate it. I really really do. It's it's been a labor of love for all these years, and I'm glad because not everybody gets one of these. You know, no, that, no. Um, there's plenty of people at plenty of schools who never get to do what we do. And we are we are in one of the golden ages of LSU athletics yeah. right now. We've had a few, Kent and I, yeah, and then you've kind of come on the last few years and kind of gotten a few as well. And, That's right. I take full credit. Uh, yep. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not <Atta> a baby. <laughs> so, baby. No, so, I know what well, you're saying. I'm just being there, a little yeah, humor. There was, uh, you know, because there if. If you could ask LSU fans, you know, what, what are your golden ages? You go back, you know, to the, the 2000s. We won a couple of football championships. Baseball won one in 09. We had the five Final Fours for women's basketball. The men went to a Final Four. That was kind of a golden age. And then I'd say I'd, we're, I think yeah. we're in another one. Oh, I think so. No. I think so. I think it's a great time to be a I, Tiger. I, can, I will say this because I'm very happy to be surrounded by two of the best at what they do. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, two of the best broadcasters in this league that's in nice, this Kent. country. I mean, you know, Thank you, Kent. that's and nice. I, you know, this guy. I mean, I've known him forever, and I mean, he's, and there's no better SID on the planet well, than this guy. I, I mean, no offense it. to the other great ones that we have, but they all learn their trade from the legend. I will, I will tell you, the other night in Syracuse, Pete Moore, who's been there like 26 years and been in the business like 40, were both sitting there looking at each other, going. So, how much more do we want to do this? You know? <laughs> well, we're glad that you're here. We're glad Patrick's here. Before we get you out of here, I know we went long, but um, you know, I believe, I think Kent would agree, Patrick, that men's basketball in the SEC may be a tad top-heavy this year when you talk about the two or three top teams, mm -hmm. uh, at least the early thoughts. Mm -hmm. We'll see once conference play uh, begins. When I look at the SEC right now, and again, with no conference games being played, I see the usual suspects. I see South Carolina. I see LSU. Vanderbilt's up there. A&M's up there. Now, I know Tennessee's strength of schedule is something yes. to be considered, that they're 4-4, four and four, so right now they're near the bottom. But overall, your assessment of what you think the SEC race will look like? Well, South Carolina is scary at how quickly they've, you know, they lost a lot also, but they had, we knew they had a lot in reserve and they brought it, but they have 
it didn't take long for them to blend. They are playing exceptionally well right now. Tennessee is going to be good. They, they've played a brutal schedule, like you mentioned. They, they, they did it last year, too. But they, every time you look up, they're playing a top 15, top 20 team. They're, they're going to be okay. But the entire league is heads and shoulders better than it was when Coach Mulkey came into the league two years ago. It was basically us, South Carolina, and then it dropped off badly. But Texas A&M is good. Vanderbilt is going to – they're getting better, and they've had a couple of good wins. Um, Georgia's going to be good. Arkansas had a big win at Florida State. So there is, there's a lot more. Ole Miss went to a Sweet 16 last year. So going through this league and, they, okay, our only loss is going to be South Carolina if we lose. Like, it's not like that anymore. There, there are plenty of landmines to, to dodge in the SEC now. It's, it's as good as it's been in a few years. Well, Patrick, it's great to see you. Thanks. Uh, you're now a member of the two-time club here on uh, Play by Play. Um, so – uh, you don't get anything except no. A, no. A congratulations. Uh, but maybe you can join the three-time club uh, coming up maybe in February, turn of the year. We'll kind of get your thoughts on uh, softball, which I know, uh, speaking of, I mean, you talk about a brutal league. <laughs> SEC softball is is brutal year in yeah. and year out. But, uh, again, congratulations on last year. Last time you were here, you hadn't yet cut down the net. <laughs> uh, so congratulations. And uh, I'm not even going to say best of luck. Just enjoy the ride this yeah. year. It's going to be a fun. I appreciate it. Appreciate it a lot, and appreciate all the people who have who have hopped on on the bandwagon with us. It's been a lot of fun. All right, you can catch Patrick Shaida, sometimes Emily Ward, on the broadcast uh, on Talk 107.3 here in Baton Rouge, but uh, several stations across the state now with women's basketball, thanks to the job that Kim Mulkey has done and Patrick Wright does. So you can uh, catch him throughout and anywhere on the globe. You can tune into women's basketball on the LSU Sports Mobile app presented by BASF. So that's going to do it for this extended play-by-play for this week. Uh, I think we've covered everything. So for uh, Patrick Wright, the illustrious Kent Lowe, and on the ones and twos, Mr. Harrison Valentine, this is Chris Blair. Hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, so long, everybody, and go Tigers.